Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading the Knockout. A reminder that I'll be joined every single Monday live on TalkSport 2 by Gareth A. Davis to dissect all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. 2021 is set to be a huge year for boxing both in the UK and abroad and we'll have you covered every single step of the way. If you can't join us live, make sure you subscribe to the Fight Night podcast to ensure that you don't miss an episode. And while you're there, you can also check out some of the other great boxing programming, the likes of the Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the boy from Brownsville. The Knockout with Adi Oladipo and Gareth A. Davies on TalkSport 2. Good afternoon, it is The Knockout. If you love your boxing and your MMA, we have a brand new show every single week with myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. We'll be looking forward to some of the big fights that could happen, should happen in 2021. Could we see Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua? Could we see Canelo versus Billy Joe Saunders in May? Very, very likely. Today we'll hear from Liam Williams ahead of his world middleweight title fight against the unbeaten 2 8 world champion Demetrius Andrade. Uh, Carl Frotch discusses his fight against Jermaine Taylor. Fantastic fight that was. When talking on his Fight of My Life episode on TalkSport yesterday. Plus, we'll chat Josh Warrington after that horrific defeat to Mauricio Lara on Saturday night. This is The Knockout. This is on TalkSport 2. Oh, it's another one. Right hand this time. And it's hurt. It's all in. It's all over. The crowd's got in. The fight's over. His corner have pulled him out. And Carl Frampton gets the stoppage. Against the road, Sanchez could be in trouble. Big left. It's over. Jamel Herring. Referee Bob Williams wants to see him walk towards him. And look at that. One punch needed. And Liam Williams has indeed knocked him out and the fight is all over. Corbin left hand there. He nearly went again, Warrington. He's all over the place in the ninth round and there's so much time and down he goes and he won't get up from that. That's it. Josh Warrington has been knocked out in one of the big stunners in a British ring in the last two or three years. You would not have expected that. Yeah, we are going to be talking uh, that big fight between Jamal Herring and Carl Frampton a bit later. Gareth A. Davis actually caught up 
uh, with Jamal Herring. We're going to play some of that audio out, but we have to start. There's only one place to start. Firstly, let me start by saying hello and introducing Gareth A. Davis. Gareth, how are you, my man? Well, I'm good. You nearly forgot me then. I, I thought you going to crack on for the whole hour and I'm going to get on. in at some point. No, I'm very well. <laughs> um, look, you, you mentioned Josh Warrington mm. and uh, Mauricio Lara at the weekend. Look, uh, the, the unexpected is expected in boxing. Let me put it that way. So true. And there are so many factors that we'll get into as to why people lose fights like this. Yeah. Um, this is a very, very interesting situation. Uh, the way the fight kind of played out, the way it ended, but also um, everything around it. I'm really well. I've been running kind of with... It was freezing cold until today, and I've been running around the village with just my shorts, my socks, and my... And my and, and, uh, That's a sight. And, and my trainers on. Yeah, um, I've been trying to do the Wim Hof. I was telling Adam Catterall on Saturday night about this. I've been trying to... The Iceman, Wim Hof. But today I was able to get back on my bicycle because um, all the ice has gone, and... Uh, you know, it's just nice to be out again and the weather changing. And I wish everyone well because everyone's had a tough couple of months. Mm, they know? certainly have. Um, let, let's talk about that Josh Warrington fight. Look, we both spoke to Josh Warrington and his dad on this show a couple of weeks ago. They were very confident, understandably so, taking on um, an unknown quantity of Mauricio Lara. But like you say, I mean, this is boxing number one. There are so many factors that have to be taken into consideration no crowd, a 16-month layoff, maybe, maybe, and he won't say this, but maybe overlooking Lara a little bit and looking forward to those big fights against the likes of Zhukan and Gary Russell Jr. I want to kick off, though, with this first question, Gareth. Should the fight have been stopped in the fourth round? No, no. It could have been, mm. but everyone would have moaned that it was stopped and he didn't get a chance to uh, to come back, which he did in the fifth. Um, there is Howard Foster, the referee, is coming for a lot of criticism for letting the fight go on until he was brutally knocked out in the ninth round. And that it should have been stopped at the end of the fourth because he didn't know, you know his senses were scrambled. And, and this brilliant Leeds fighter, age 30, unbeaten in 30 fights. Take all those factors in. He's 30, un, at peak of his powers, unbeaten in 30 fights. He's been through some very tough nights before. Foster's a very experienced referee. Mm. And I wanted to give him the ultimate, optimum chance to turn it around. Had he turned it around and won, everyone would have been saying, oh my God, unbelievable. One of the most amazing turnarounds of all time. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the key in this for me is not so much Howard Foster and the criticism of him. If they people want the fight to have been stopped, they yeah. need to look at Warrington's corner. Sean O'Hagan, who's his coach and his father in the corner, they know him best. True. Um, I do think he took a shellacking from rounds four to, to nine. There were moments when Josh, with his brilliant champion's heart and his instincts uh, and his amazing engine, he kept himself in the fight. But it, it looks like he had a perforated eardrum and a, and, a, and a broken jaw. And let's hope, along with that, there aren't lasting effects from those big punches that he took. Because the end was, was, he got banjoed, basically, at the end. It was a brutal finish with all those left hooks yeah, and the, the body the, shot. Mm. Um, you know, the point is, Lara came here on a lottery ticket, remember, from Mexico City, tough upbringing, poor kid, was a knockout merchant. But the key for me, Addy, is this. Josh Warrington, seven knockouts in 30 wins, yeah? Yeah. Not a bruiser, not a brawler. And yet in this fight, he fought recklessly with their two men trading leather from the opening bell like they were both in a hurry to get the shift done. Mm. And I think his strategy was wrong. But those 16, 15, 16 months out, 
I think inactivity is a massive thing for a lot of champions and elite level fighters at the moment. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a massive um, reason. I think Tyson Fury even tweeted after the fight that that's kind of what will happen with a big layoff. Um, you can spar as much as you want. It doesn't replicate being in a, a firefight like that. I remember looking at the first round, I think maybe in the last sort of 45 seconds of the first round, he got hit on the on, on the arms, so he was blocking it, and I think he even felt those. So this Lara punch power is certainly something real. Um, I was laughing about Lara's footwork in the... Um, they was doing like a little pre-fight warm-up and I was like, look at his footwork, it's horrendous. Like, who is this kid? And, and I was made to look like a fool because I completely underestimated how how strong his will was um, how much he can take a punch as well. I mean, because Josh Warrington, yes, only a few knockouts on the resume, but he hit him clean a few times and that Lara just stood in the pocket and kept on coming, Gareth. Look, um, he has, in his last, I think it's something like his last nine, ten fights... Only against Sergio Puente um, in, um, I think it was April last year. Um, no, it might have been December last year. It was as active as late as December last year, I think it was. Mm. Um, you know, think about that. December last year. That's how active he is. He got a unanimous decision. But for that, I think he's got knockouts or, or TKOs or retired in all of the last eight or nine fights. You know, And we're talking... He fought five times in 2019, four times in 2020. Very active young fighter, very hungry, 22 years of age, probably comes from nothing. He looked very tough all week and he looked yeah. very focused and he looked on in shape. Eddie Hearn had called it a banana skin. Um, Josh never got into a rhythm in the fight. Mm. He never established that. Get the jab, move, be efficient, avoid the punches. Um, and like you say, the footwork didn't even come into play in the end because it was this <laughs> desperate, reckless trading of leather from from the opening bell. Um, so in many ways, um, I think it was a terrible night. It's horribly backfired. Um, I mean, I spoke to Kid Galahad uh, in the afternoon on Saturday. Um, and Kid was very strong, obviously, um, to put in context for, for our listeners. Um, Josh Warrington was unbeaten in 35 fights, the International Boxing Federation featherweight champion. Um, he'd had an extraordinary run. He'd beaten Carl Frampton, Lee Selby and Kid Galahad. Kid Galahad was the mandatory to fight for the IBF belt again. Josh puts the belt in, in, in the bin, makes it vacant. Could have been defending his title on Saturday night and he could have been defending it against Kid Galahad. It might have been an easier fight for him. Kid said it wasn't. I caught up with Kid yesterday as well. And he was so classy. He wished Warrington all the best, didn't want to do something public, but just said he's going to concentrate on his own game and he really wants Josh to get to get back and he's sorry for him. I, like I thought that. that was really classy. You know, I like that. And, and I agree with the, it could have been an easier fight against Kid Galahad. Maybe not a fight he wins, because it's always going to be close between Josh and Kid. But yeah. in terms of a bruising fight, definitely a yeah. much easier fight. Those two, especially Kid's a boxer, isn't he? He's not going to stay in the pocket and bang like that at all. I just want to... Ask... I've got to ask you, listen, you're asking me, what was your view about... You know, it's, it's the both of us, this show... What was your view about Howard Foster and Sean O'Hagan in the corner in the fourth round? You know what it is? After that, that knockdown in the fourth was brutal. And um, he, he, he got up and took a couple of more punches. But more concerning for me was when they ended the bell for the fourth, he kind of fell into Howard Foster. He had no mm. idea where he was. And I get it. You, you don't want to stop a fighter who's unbeaten and he's got like well-titled aspirations after dumping his belt in the next couple of fights. But 
he looked gone after that one. And I was thinking that corner could have pulled him out there. I, I really do. And I just don't want to see Josh shit more punches than he did. I, I speak to Josh a lot. He's a great kid. And we know the lasting damage and the lasting effect any extra blows can have on these fighters. And I thought, like, between the fifth and the ninth, I mean, he took so many punches, particularly in the eighth and ninth, that I just didn't want to see Josh take. And maybe that's just because there's a personal connection I have there with him. I just didn't want to see him take more punishment. So I would have loved for it to be over in the fourth, honestly, just because... Yeah, I well, thought... why didn't... Yeah, listen, you're saying that you've got a personal connection. And what kind of personal connection has Sean O'Hagan got with him? He's his no, father. Right. Yeah. So why didn't he pull him out? I think they know him best. Mm. I think we often... Um, superimpose or mirror ourselves in them. Listen, if you had been in that fight and you'd come back, we yeah. would have been praising you for taking a shellacking and coming back in one of the great comebacks of all time. Very true. Yeah. You know, so it, it, there's always a there's always a right and a wrong, both sides of the argument. And look, um, I will say I this think, though. I will say this very yeah. quickly, Gav. He did have a, a decent-ish fifth. He landed a couple of shots. He did, did Josh. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Mm. And, he, and he, there were time. There were times where. Um, when Lara, Bronco, the wild horse, should have taken that into account, shouldn't he? Um, <laughs> where Bronco was was kind of falling into himself and a little bit fatigued as well, by the way. So mm. um, there were moments when I thought he was coming back into the fight. But, um, you know, the other thing is it's more dramatic when there's less of a crowd, I think. And you can hear the thumps and yeah. the bangs when people land. And imagine if there'd been 15,000 people at that at Ellen Road. It would have been off the charts. Yeah, and they would have gone mental if it got stopped at the end of the fourth. You are yeah, exactly. They? they would have gone absolutely yeah. mental. Yeah, yeah. I want to quickly play um, a, a clip from Eddie Hearn. This is post-fight. He's talking about Lara and what next for Lara as well, because there's been some talk about a, a possible rematch between the both of them. Here's what Eddie Hearn had to say. 22 years of age from Mexico City comes in no one gave him a chance um, we knew we knew he could fight you know we said in the press conference we spoke to people in Mexico we didn't think he'd beat the number one ranked featherweight in the world and he did so we have to give him tremendous credit I don't think I've seen bravery in the ring like what I saw from Josh Warrington for a long long time he never recovered from the shot I spoke to him in the dressing room before the fight and I said you know the chance that this young man has in the fight is to trade up with you. We know he can punch. Just be smart. And he didn't do that. He came out. He was erratic. You know, I mean, what, 16 months out of the ring, the ring rush showed. He got caught with a shot and he never recovered. How he got through that fourth round, I will never know. I will never know as well. Um, Gareth, there has been talk about a rematch between the both of them. I mean, is that something, if you were in Josh Warrington's camp, part of his management team, would you advise that he take a rematch? Does he need to? No, it doesn't need to. Um, at some point, maybe when um, when Lara, let's say Lara gets okay, gets a world title shot, wins a world title, he doesn't need to. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't advance him. We know what went wrong here. He had the wrong strategy. He was out a long time. Ring rust will have played a factor. He got caught cold. Anyone can get caught in a boxing match. We know that. Um, Lara's a big puncher, um, and you know Josh. His game plan went out of the window. He had to fight on instinct afterwards. So it wasn't his style of fight. No, I don't think there is a need to do it because if he loses twice in a row to this guy, it doesn't look good for him after that. So I think I would get him a, a, a kind of a boxing opponent and try and move him towards um, this this challenge against maybe Ken Shu or or Gary Russell Jr. or Navarrete, the, 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 Emmanuel Navarrete, the three other champions. But, you know, it was, it was a horrible disaster and a, a massive banana skin that they all slipped up on 
on Saturday night. It's not true, though, that nobody gave that guy a chance. You only had to look at his records mm. and you only had to watch him all week to see that he really meant business. And I spoke to Jordan Gill on Saturday night while this was going on, and he lost to Tinoco, the, another Mexican. Mm. These guys come over here, and, and that's what Jordan was saying to me, they see this as a lottery ticket out of poverty. They know that boxing's really kind of like um, is, is on a roll here in the UK, that people watch it, that they can make a name for themselves, that they're up against a name. And that's what Lara did. He took his opportunity on Saturday night, and he took it in both hands, and he was very composed, and he took a and he put a battering in the end on poor old Josh Warrington. Poor old Josh Warrington, indeed. It's not the first time we've seen a Mexican come over here and beat one of our world champions. Charlie Edwards uh, came over and he took a slack, and as well, obviously he didn't lose his world title, but we've seen it before, haven't we? All right, it's a knockout here on Talksport Two. If you've missed any of today's show, remember you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Fight Night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes. You'll be able to hear and check out some of the other great stuff we've got on there, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and the Boy from Brownsville, the Mike Tyson story. It is the knockout with myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis here on TalkSport 2. Remember, we're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Remember, if you missed any of the show and would like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. It's been over a year since Herring won in Toledo, Ohio last February. But there's not much you can do with a shot that hits you in the solar plexus like that. Oh, it's another one right hand this time, and it's hurt. It's all in. It's all over. The crowd's get in. The fight's over. His corner and pulled him out, and Carl Frampton gets the stoppage. A big fight this one. We've got a load of big fights coming up. This one is a big fight, though, for Carl Frampton as he bids to become a free weight world champion. He takes on the current WBO super featherweight champion, Jamal Herring. I know that our very own Gareth A. Davis has been speaking to him, and we're going to play out a bit of that audio. You can watch the full interview on Gareth A. Davis's YouTube channel as well. Gareth, before we quickly talk Jamal Herring and Carl Frampton, a, a quick word on the co-main event on that fight card, Josh Warrington's fight card, as Alpha Barrett, Kiko Martinez... Um, quickly, I scored at Kiko, um, so I think it needs to be run again. Personally, how, how did you score that fight? Well, you saw it, scored at Kiko, but did you actually score it? I, I'm not joking. I actually scored it ten, nine, ten. I actually scored it rounds, like bored at home, doing nothing with drink yeah. in my hand, round for round. I had Kiko winning that by a round. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I either had it a draw or by a round. And people always say, "Oh, yeah, I scored the fight." This is you did the right thing when you actually scored the fight. It was a close fight, yeah, mm. but what it wasn't was 118, 111, oh, no. a seven-round yeah. split <laughs> to Zelfa Barrett. I think Kiko Martinez put on a fine performance. He was the aggressor for most of the fight. I think Zelfa Barrett should have held his feet and took Kiko on a bit more and used his length and power. Mm. And, and he did now and again, and he was very successful, and he stopped Kiko in his tracks. But 116, 113, 118, 111 twice. For those listening who doesn't know how, don't know how boxing scoring goes... That is a wide, wide, wide decision with a capital w, for Zelfa yeah. Barrett. Exactly, for Brown Flash. And it was just, it just, it, it was just inexplicable, Addy. Mm. It, it, it just did not make any sense at all. 
Um, and, and, you know, the, the officials have got to look at themselves. And my view is it's about time they created a league and a, and a ranking list for officials. And yeah. the best ones should be employed week after week after week. The ones that get it wrong, slide them down the bottom of the list. Yeah, I agree. It's a fant- that, you know, that is a fantastic gesture. And hopefully the British border, Boxing Border Control do something about it because we're now turning into what I remember Germany being in the 90s and the early 2000s where no one wanted to go to Germany because they think they was going to get a dodgy scorecard. Yeah, England's you couldn't win with it. a knockout. You yeah. couldn't win if you knocked someone out <laughs> yeah. in Germany. If you knocked a German out in Germany, you got a draw. That's, you what, that's what used to happen though, isn't it? Yeah. It used to happen. All right, Gav, I just want to play out a bit of audio from your interview with Jamal Herring. Um, obviously, he's got this big fight with Carl Frampton coming up and you asked him how preparations is going. Let's listen to this. Our camp is going great. Um, I'm in a good space. I, I feel it's probably one of the best camps I had in, in such a long time. And, you know, I'm just, you can see it in my face. Like, I'm just in such a good spirits and um, just motivated and ready to go. Are you at home and in camp at the moment? Are you, where are you, in New Jersey or where are you? I'm in, I'm in, I'm in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Right. So I'm, I'm out in the mountains with my team. But it's like a home environment because the, um, the team stays under one roof. So it's always great to have, you know, great company around you. Yeah, the voice there of Jamal Herring, the current WBO Super Featherweight Champion. Remember, you can watch all that interview on Gareth A. Davis's YouTube channel. It is a fantastic interview. Uh, Gareth, um, look, this is a great fight for Carl Frampton. Great mm. opportunity as well. I still don't know how Jamal Herring makes 130 pounds of him on his no. view. Massive man. How did he look in his face when you was interviewing him? Did he, did he look gaunt? Did he look like he's struggling at the weight? He looked fantastic, I've got oh, to be honest. No. You, could see the, you could see the cheekbones, those kind of things. But Jamal, the funny thing is... Jamel was saying to me after that little bit that everyone always says, well, how does he make weight? He always struggles. He's 35 years of age. You know, he's five foot 10, remember? Mm. Um, you know, and he, he's, he's, you know, incredible really at the weight. You know, it's a guy that was in the Marines, uh, yeah. two tours of duty in Iraq, Olympic Games in London in 2012. Beautiful man, five children. He lost one of his children, of course, um, in, in July 2009, um, Ariana. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he, he fights for her. Um, he's a brilliant guy. I've got so much love for him. But he's up against Carl Frampton um, in a fight in which he, he's a southpaw as well, which makes him tricky and long. Uh, he's in a fight with Carl Frampton in which, you know, this pot- pocket battleship from Northern <laughs> Ireland. He is. Never, he's a pocket I've never battleship. heard him being called that, but it makes sense now. It does. Oh, he's totally a pocket battleship. Yeah. He's going to come out there and he's going to give Herring hell. Bob Arams, uh, who promotes Herring, is concerned about Herring coming over here. Remember, Herring had a tough time last year. And we talked about that, by the way, in the interview. Two COVID negatives, two COVID positives last year. Mm. Um, finally got to fight Jonathan Quendo at the third time of asking last year because of, because of the COVID tests. And That was a tough fight for him. It was, but, yeah. he spent, but, he, but, but, the, but what he said, the toughest thing, Eddie, was that he spent five months in camp. Mm. over the course of the three times they went for that. So he's delighted to be coming. He said he's going to double mask on the plane. He's going to wear a shield. The hoodie's going to be over his head. <laughs> he, has, he said, I'm going to wear four sets of gloves. He, he does not want to get COVID. And I think he's destined for the UK at the end of this week. That fight, of course, is week on Saturday night. 
Mm, it is, and it's a big fight. Big, look, massive fight for Carl Frampton. I mean, he wins this and he's one foot into the Hall of Fame, in my eyes. It'll be a freeweight world champion. And I like the way he's come back after that Josh Warrington defeat. Uh, Tyler McCreary was an unbeaten fighter. Darren Trainer, that was almost a stay-busy fight, but a fight that got interesting for at least a couple of rounds. Mm. This, 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 though, is a big step up. But I do wonder, with regards to the weight, because it's weird, Carl... Every time I see him on the scales, even if it is at 126, still looks like he's a bit gaunt at the weight. I think 130 for him is going to be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. No, it's 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 a it's an interesting fight for him. The problem he's got to do is he's got to get on the inside. Mm. That's the key. Um, you know, as you say, 130 is still not a lot of weight on a man, is it? And <laughs> these not. are grown men in their 30s. So, <laughs> I mean, Carl is now I think 34, is he? Um, you know, is 33, you know, um, he's just 33, actually. Oh, no, coming no, up, coming 34. up 34, yeah. They're both. He's 34, you know, in the in fight week. So, yeah. you know, you've got two men in their mid-30s. They're both esteemed fighters. They're still making 130 pounds, which, you know, it sounds a bit, but it isn't. You know, these yeah. guys are lean as anything. And Carl is very hench, very muscular, very powerful. Large thighs, large calves, big kind of neck on him. So he's going to have to bull this guy, Herring. Um, and I think it's Herring's toughest fight, actually, because um, Carl's going to give everything. This is his last opportunity. He had to hang in there against Den- uh, Nanito Donaire, didn't he, to win that fight. Tremendous fight that was a couple of years back. Um, but and like you say... Do you, do you think I it's think... the last fight for both? I was actually thinking about that, because I know like Herring was talking about the fight after Quindo, and I do wonder if it wasn't... Uh... A big money fight. And I say big money fight. Looks a lot, you know, he's going to make some good money. If it wasn't this fight, I kind of wonder if Herring would have hanged hang the gloves up as well. Well, Herring told me in this interview that he still wants to face the other champions okay. uh, in the division. He's still got ambitions there. So, you know, if he has a good win against Carl Frampton, that's a massive, that's, a, you know, what was Carl? 2016, 2017, Ring Magazine Fighter of the Year. He was. You know, in that year when he had an extraordinary win, you know, um, against Cruz Scott Quigg and, Scott and Leo Santa yeah. Cruz, you know, um, he, he, he'd had a fantastic, you know, he was very smart in the split decision victory in Manchester against Scott Quigg and then went to, to um, New York City. And I think his best performance, the first Leo Santa Cruz fight. And when Leo Santa Cruz, and we're talking, you know, July 2016, God, I mean, can you believe it? That's four, four and a half years ago. Wow. When Santa Cruz was a killer at the time, mm. three-weight world champion, and that was the moment that Carl Frampton, for me, inked himself into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he's going to uh, rubber stamp himself into the Hall of Fame if he can beat Jamal Herring. All right, let's, um, let's hear this bit of audio now. This was yesterday on TalkSport. The latest Fight of My Life episode was there. This one was all about Carl the Cobra Frotch. In this section here, he discusses the closing stages of when he fought the American Jermaine Taylor in 2009 in that first defence of the WBC super middleweight crown. Let's have a listen. He cleaned his gloves off and the referee said box and I thought I've still got a job to do. 30 seconds left! Can the former world champion hold on? I had to stop him. There was literally 20 seconds left on the clock. Taylor in trouble! I hit Jermaine Taylor with 18, 1-8, unanswered punches. referee had no choice but to jump in and stop the fight because the last three shots his arms were by his side his head was slumped and I think the towel was coming in as well he'd had enough and the referee got hold of him kept him on his feet 
and I got stopped. And if you're not going to play the commentary, I'll do the commentary for you. And the American <laughs> commentary said, I'm coming back to England, Mom, and I'm keeping my title. Call the Cobra Frog. Look, if you want to hear that, remember, just search for uh, Fight of My Life wherever you download your podcast to access all previous episodes. That was a good one, though. It really was. You can also hear other uh, boxing programming such as uh, Fight Night and The Boy from Brownsville, The Mike Tyson Story. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Knockout with Adi Oladipo and Gareth A. Davies on TalkSport 2. Afternoon. You're listening to the Knockout here on Talksport Two of myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great mind that is Gareth A. Davis. Remember, we're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts, and we're going to talk about MMA at the end of the program. If you've missed any of the show and like to listen again, then talk. You can check out our podcast over at Talksport.com under the Fight Night banner. Tremendous shot, and another one, and he's got him going a bit. The right hand, the uppercut really buzzed him, and Williams knows it, and he's gone. He's gone down, it was the right hook of the right uppercut that did the damage, and is he going to get up? Fell to the canvas, face down, and he looks very unsteady as he got back to his feet. Referee Bob Williams wants to see him walk towards him, and look at that! What a needed, and Liam Williams has indeed knocked him out, and the fight is all over. Yeah, we're going to talk all things at Liam Williams. Big fight on the horizon. Fingers crossed it happens. Him versus Demetrius Andrade. Liam Williams was on fight night on Saturday with Gareth Faye Davis and Adam Cattrall and was asked whether he thought Andrade was going to vacate his belt before the fight. I thought that's the way it was going to go, to be honest with you, but I'm really excited that, that it is going to be him because obviously, you know, he's a three-time world champion. He's unbeaten in 29 fights. Um... You know, and and he's kind of the man which, well, self-claimed he's saying he's the one which is avoided by all the champions and this and, and I believe to a certain extent he probably is because just because of his awkwardness and you know he's not the most uh, fan-friendly kind of fighter. But 
Um, you know, I, I fully believe his time is up now and, and I'm going to go and dethrone him and take it away from him. What does he do well, Liam? When you watch him fight, what does he do well? It's, he, he does everything well. It's um, he, he doesn't do a, a great deal wrong, to be honest with you, but um, I have seen certain things in his work which I can, you know, which I can pick up on and um, he does get reckless. He... He, he runs out of ideas after a couple of rounds. He comes out explosive and seems to fade off and mm. you know goes goes to sleep a little bit. Um, there's, a, there's a couple more things, but um, obviously they want to say too much. Yeah, keep uh, it to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, Liam, um, the, the, yeah. there's definitely points where I could, I definitely feel I can pick up on. Mm. We know we know how aggressive you are as a fighter. You are the machine. Is 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 April the seventeenth in Miami? Are those that is that the most likely date and venue at the moment, Liam? Um, I think that's that's why I'm yearning as well, to be honest with you, Gab. But um, who knows? You know, it's like it change, changes day by day, doesn't it? Just um, just to stay focused and and see what they come up with. I'm pretty sure we'll know by Monday, Tuesday latest. But, well, I'm going to take they, Adam. They are the thing yeah. that I yearn as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Adam into the twilight zone now because he doesn't know this, something that you and I know. Here we go. Uh, you're at home, right? You're at home, yeah? Yeah. Number 96. You are sitting. Number 96. You are sitting. <laughs> can we have the twilight zone music if there is any? You are sitting <laughs> in the home that my mother, who was an orphan, was adopted and grew up in. I think that's right, isn't it? Is that it? serious? Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, that's it right. is true that Liam, isn't it? Ninety six Jones Street in Clinic. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I knew right. Adam would be shocked by that. Small, very, <laughs> small very small we, world. We very small. When Liam figured this out herself, you know. <laughs> yeah, it was really. We had a, like an hour's conversation about it. We could not believe it at the time. It was just kind of. It really was Twilight Zone stuff. Well, obviously you're at home, but you're. Your boxing home is in the Ingle Gym. You seem yeah. so happy there under Dominic. I saw you wrestling with him the other day. He pulled the butterfly guard when you took him down. Um, and he was trying to do some jujitsu on you. You, you. you seem really settled and happy and a different fighter at the Ingle Gym and under Dominic Ingle. Yeah, definitely. It's really good there. Um, you know, I'm enjoying what I do again. I'm around good people. Dom's, Dom's a fantastic trainer. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just a good place to be. Everybody bounces off each other. Got some fantastic talent there, and yeah, I, I just it's definitely the place for me. I'm, I'm happy there. Regarding this fight, you seen... we are... sorry, Gareth, can you carry on if you want? Yeah, yeah, I know. What what I've I've seen a change in you over the last year. I think a, a maturity as a boxer and as a man and. Maybe I know you had great self-belief anyway. You know that your two losses were against um, Liam Smith, but you seem like a different fighter now. And that when you go in against Andrade, yes, you've got that ability to draw someone um, into a dogfight, but you can do it in an educated way now. Yeah, definitely, I agree. With um, the, the last year, maybe eighteen months. You know, certainly, maybe even two years, but. Um, I just feel I've matured a lot um, in and out the ring. And um, just I dedicated myself more. I've, you know, just 
just opened my eyes to a lot of things to be honest with you. I you know, I realised the talent and ability I've got and you know, I'm I'm making the most of it now, whereas before I was kind of just just playing around with it a little bit, you know. Liam Williams there speaking to Gareth Davis and Adam Cutcher on Fight Night on Saturday. Gareth, I, I think that Liam Williams, I'm trying to think in my head, I think he's probably one of the most improved fighters in the last two years on British soil. Fair point? Yeah, strategically, mentally and physically. He's knocked out his last seven opponents. He had those two losses to Liam Smith, who I think is world, world class, as we know. He's been a world champion. Mm. you know. Um, um, but I think... There's a very good blend between Liam and Dominic Ingle. Like I said, you know, they, they do wrestling in there at times as well. <laughs> yeah. And there's a great clip of those two wrestling in the gym and Dom underneath him and pulling the butterfly guard, wrapping his legs around um, around Liam. L- Liam, you can just hear it in his voice. You can hear it in the way he is as a man. In the last four years, last year and a half, he's really come on. This is the biggest fight in his career against Bubu Andrade. I call him Andrade. Some people call him Andrade. He's a tricky southpaw. He's a difficult mover. He throws. He, he moves in a weird springy way. He throws punches from weird angles. Liam's going to have to fight him in that bullish way, but in an educated way. But he's at the right time in his career. I think it's the biggest fight in their careers for both men. The most troublesome p- opponent. Let's just hope that we don't get a bull and a matador fight and that Liam gets exposed as being too bullish in this fight. But I tell you what, I'm really excited about it because Liam fears no one and he's a real crowd pleaser. It's strange because I'm excited for it and I guess every British boxing fan's excited for it. Liam Williams is excited for it. Dimitris Andrade (laughs) isn't, is he? No, but the thing... I mean, listen, I I know Boo Boo a little bit. I've sat with him before. We've had fun at fights. Um, I've worked with him on a broadcast on DAZN. Once he, he's he's a very curated, a very cultivated character, very laid back. Um, that's his style. He fears no one, but they both need big fights to make names for themselves. He mm. sat back a little bit and said, "I'm the boogeyman. Everyone's avoiding me. Come on, let's get it on." And Liam Williams and he could really create the spark. I know Eddie Hearn, who's obviously making the fight for the zone over there in the states, is really excited about it. I think it's a great one. Liam Williams, and weirdly, I don't know if you listened to that little bit of audio that he's bought the house that my mother grew up That's in as an orphan. So, Was that a... so weird. I, I heard Yeah, it, not, I not as weird. Seat. Not as weird, Eddie, as the day he and I found it out last November. And we ended up speaking for an hour, and he knew Lil and Len, who were my mum's stepbrother who got married to a doctor he was 10 years older than my mum he was only 19 my mum was nine and like Len was the cycling champion of Wales Len Jenkins and Liam said when I was a little kid in that street we all used to take our bikes to your uncle Len the the man who brought my mum up and he used to fix all our bikes fixed all the bikes a lovely couple and he said when they died I bought the house unbelievable story it's crazy honestly that's that's a crazy (laughs) story (laughs) You just know that you can't make that up. That is an absolutely crazy no. story. Um, you spoke about this being the biggest fight for Demetrius Andrade, and, and I, 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 I agree as well. I mean, let, yes, he's fought the likes of Vans and Sulecki, but the fact is, he's a two-weight world champion, a very good two-weight world champion. But he hasn't got that that marquee name on that resume, that legend. No, has exactly, he? exactly. And and look, it could turn out, it could transpire. I mean, I love Liam. I have to love him now. He's, he bought the house that my mum grew up in. I've got to love him. I'm like, I've got to be a fanboy for him now. But 
I would love Liam to go in there and catch Boo Boo and force him into a, a real dogfight. But it could be a Lemur, um, Billy Joe Saunders Joe, situation where, it, yeah. when, and, you know, Andrade, because when we talked about, there was a time when Bubo Andrade at middleweight was going to face uh, Billy Joe Saunders, of course. Yep. And we thought, oh my God, this is going to be the weirdest chess match of all time. Mm. They're both awkward movers. It's going to be few punches landed, really hard to score, controversial decision. What we'll get in this one is Liam Williams drawing Boo Boo into a fight and Boo Boo either moving and being smart or being drawn into one. I just think it's got all the makings of a really, really good fight. Not a stinker, because Williams will deliver. He'll just go out on his sword if he has to. He will go there, and if he gets caught by Boo Boo, he'll get caught. But he will go and be a crowd pleaser, which he always is. Always is indeed. I absolutely love the comparison that you make between Billy Joe Saunders and David Lemieux, because it does remind me a bit of David Lemieux as Liam Williams, and obviously Billy Joe Saunders and Demetrius Andrade, very, very similar. All right, you're listening to The Knockout here on TalkSport 2. We're here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and mixed martial arts. Remember, if you've missed any of the show or would like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at talksport.com under the fight night banner the knockout with Adi Oladipo and Gareth A. Davies on talksport 2 Here's the knockout here on TalkSport 2 of myself, Adi Oladipo, and the great Gareth A. Davis. Remember, if you've missed any of today's show, you can always catch up with our podcast. Just search for Fight Night wherever you download your podcast for access to all previous episodes. You will also be able to check out some of the other great boxing program. We've got some great stuff as well on there. Fight Night, we've got Fight of My Life, the new one up with Carl Froch is fantastic, and the boy from Brownsville, the Mike Tyson story. It wasn't just a big boxing weekend. It was a big weekend in the world of MMA as well. UFC 258, Kamara Usman defended his welterweight strap, getting the job done against a very game, very impressive Gilbert Burns. Usman's record now in the UFC, win record, 13 wins back-to-back. Back-to-back for Kamara Usman. And I think, I mean, look, let me ask Gareth, because Gareth's an MMA man, a big MMA man. Gareth, where do you have him in your pound-for-pound rankings right now, Kamara Usman? Oh, he's got to be in the top three at the moment. Look, he's not the most um, exciting fighter. Mm. He's not the most... Mind you, having said that, his post-fight interview... That was good, Calling right? out Masvidal for a second fight. I and love he's done that. a little bit of smack. <clears throat> he's an absolute sportsman. Yeah. I'm a massive fan of Kamaru Usman, by the way. Mm. He's got one of those styles. You know, he's, he's, his, his striking's decent. Got a great chin, but he smothers you like a horrible, stop, deadly rash. Just, and he looks nah, massive he, in the ring. Well. Sorry, the he's octagon. a huge yeah. man. You know, he, he's 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 got an incredible physique. Um, that tiny waist, those huge shoulders, massive legs, brilliant <laughs> athlete. But he is. He's he's, he's incredible. No, he I'm is, a massive. He is. I'm a massive fan of him. Hey, and when you stand next to him, he is a big fella. I tell you, he's a big welterweights. You know, you think, think about it. Welterweights, they make 170, 170 pounds, 12 stone two. Don't, I don't know how he but does it. I know, but, but, but then when you see him out of action, he's walking around at 195. He's like a cruiserweight in boxing, really. You know, six foot one. Mm. Um, I thought he was very impressive again. TKO Gilbert Burns, third round, dominated the second round, lost the first round in the fight. I think the judging was good in that fight. But he's a very impressive man, and... You know, I think you've got to put him in the top three pound for pound uh, list in the UFC right now. 
all time? I don't know yet. That's interesting like, that you say top three because I'm very interested to hear who are your top two then. Because I, I, I think I know who your top two, but but well, who, do you, who do you think are my top two? I think if we're saying Khabib's retired, yeah, if we're saying Khabib's yeah, okay. retired, I think your top two is going to be John Jones and Israel. You're correct, oh, and you could yeah. put those two either round. Yeah. Listen, I've always been. I'm, I'm on the record as being. Uh, a huge fan of John Jones, the man who applies, as he told me years ago, the 10-80-10 rule, uh, Andy, which is um, 10, 10% of the people love you, yeah. 10% of the people always hate you, 10% of the people always love you, 80% swing with the barometer of you know how you perform, yeah. what public opinion is, etc., etc. The key for me is that Israel Adesanya could move to the top of that with victory over Jan Blakovic as at light heavyweight. Because that makes him outstanding. Love to have seen John Jones in Israel to oh, send you a light heavyweight. Don't, but please don't tease the shifting, it, I know. The, I, I favour John in that fight, I'll be honest. But mm. John's looked a bit sluggish of late. Um, but the, for me, I think he fits in their slots in at number three behind those two. You're spot on. Mm. Um, whether he'll be regarded as the greatest welterweight of all time, we don't know yet. But you look at that run since Damian Meyer, Rafael dos Anjos, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, okay, on seven days' notice, Gilbert Burns. I mean, it goes on and on and on. But you you can't compare that, I don't think, at the moment, to... You can't compare it to uh, the John Jones run at light heavy, can you? No. no nowhere near it. Yeah. No, no but, all, but also, I think, I, I think people will start to make comparisons in a couple of fights with the great George St-Pierre, you know, who belongs in the Mount Rushmore of the great MMA fighters of all time. You know, the victories over BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, um, the, the the avenging of defeat to Matt Serra, and then that run, John Fitch, Thiago Alves, Josh Koscheck, Jake Shields, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, Johnny Hendricks, Michael Bisping then after four, a four-year absence at middleweight, you know, in New York. I mean, George is extraordinary. He's an amazing man. Um and, and always very clean cut, very corporate. But as Chael Sonnen always said about him, but behind the the military haircuts and and the clean cut suits, he's a dirty cage fighter on a Saturday night. People forgot that about George Saint Pierre, hard as nails. Kamara Usman, three or four more victories, and we can start to tell you, to compare the two, perhaps. Uh, but he was outstanding on Saturday night. Do you think you know Dana White's always talking about opening up new markets, and you know he's, he's tried to do it in in China. He's definitely done it in Brazil and other places, Mexico as well. When you when you say that the top three and two of those being of Nigerian African heritage, you chuck in Ngannou as well, who's fighting for the title against Stipe. People think he could beat Stipe this time around. Do you think they need to look at that African market and try and develop it? Are you kidding me? This decade is going to be the emergence of Africa in MMA. The last decade was the emergence, I think, of Eastern Europe. Yeah. You know, all those tough Sambo guys, yeah. the wrestlers <laughs> from all those kind of really tough countries where there were wars going on and all sorts. Mm. This is the decade of the African MMA fighter. Bar none, no question at all, we are going to be in Africa with... I think the UFC and I think Bellator mm. at some point in the next decade. No question. Or maybe in the happen, next two or three it? years. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm there, happen. baby. Let's have another rumble in the jungle, baby. We can, we can meet at the Nigerian airport together. Last couple of minutes here, Gareth. Uh, big news for BBC getting their rights now with Bellator. It means we get to see the light heavyweight tournament over here. BBC. Uh, which is fantastic news. We can, we, we, I can't believe that we're going to see Romero versus Rumble on BBC. Fantastic news for all MMA fans. 
Absolutely. Yoel Romero against Rumble Johnson, signed last year by Scott Coker for Bellator, along with Corey Anderson. They've got Vadim Nemkov, who's a brilliant young Russian fighter. We're off to Russia at some point. They're trying to sign fights in Russia because of him and the likes of Khabib Nurmagomedov. Ryan Bader in that tournament, Vadim Nemkov, I'll say Phil Davis. They've got an extraordinary light heavyweight roster, probably the strongest in the world right now. And I think they pulled off a really good thing by advancing, of course, the Bellator cause in Europe and, and growing their market. But it's great for MMA that, but, uh, that, that live MMA, 24 events this year, and that's just not including the events that return to Europe when they do, when we can have crowds again, mm. all live, all in the same place. It's so fundamental to grow the sport. And I think it's amazing for MMA fans to have this. You know, Addy, I've been campaigning for MMA, not just covering it, but campaigning for it for 15 years because it yeah. used to be the scruffy cousin of the mainstream sports landscape it was called human cockfighting years ago but people are beginning to accept and realize perception is shifting that mixed martial arts is a veritable sport with an amazing narrative with great fighters great stories and great events yeah it's a great event and i can't wait for some of these mma events to happen over here again once we do get crowds back gareth it's always been uh, great speaking to you. Massive fight on the weekend that no doubt we're going to talk about on Monday between uh, Avenisian and Kelly for the European welterweight strap. But this is the knockout here on TalkSport 2. Remember, we are here every single Monday afternoon to discuss all the latest from the world of boxing and MMA. If you've missed any of the show or would like to listen again, then you can check out our podcast over at TalkSport.com under the Fight Night banner. That's it for this week. Thank you once again for downloading the podcast. We'll be live again next Monday on TalkSport 2. And if you miss us, make sure to subscribe to Fight Night Podcast to catch up with all our other episodes. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.